The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Uh, slightly more serious, this story you would have seen in the newspapers uh, today that apparently up to 4,000 cancer diagnoses were missed or delayed uh, because of the disruption to healthcare caused by COVID-19. John Crown is a professor and consultant medical oncologist in St. Vincent's Hospital Group. John, you're welcome to the show. Were you surprised by these figures at Let all? Let me start up saying a big good luck to all the Leaving Cert kids. Hope, hope that goes well for them all. Fair play. Thanks all time. Remember it well myself. I, I'm not that surprised, Kieran. The, um, I mean, there were a couple of factors involved in that. Uh, people may not remember just the, the level of fear that we had within and without the health service in the early spring of 2020. We were hearing these horror stories, mainly from Italy, had a huge influence on us at the time of hospitals running out of oxygen, running out of beds, intensive care units being overrun. And we were desperately concerned about that. I, sadly, myself, so five of my own patients uh, died from COVID uh, over the course of the pandemic, my own cancer patients. And early on, uh, I was very, very insistent indeed that we really, really needed to take drastic measures to protect, I mean, the ones I felt the responsibility were, were for cancer patients. So two things happened. Some services uh, just closed down or were suspended. A lot of screening services were suspended for uh, a long time during 2020. That would, of course, have an influence on the numbers of cancers diagnosed. Um, in addition, there were some very high-risk uh, areas of medicine uh, at the time of a respiratory pandemic when people, doctors would be right up beside patients' mouths and noses looking in, and there was quite a bit of disruption early on in that. Uh, and uh, finally, um, well, not finally, two more important things. Uh, there was a, a major you know, reallocation of resources to deal with the acute needs of very sick patients coming in, in many cases needing intensive care, and many others needing very you know, aggressive, intensive medical support short of intensive care, but nonetheless very intensive. Doctors and nurses had to be moved to those areas. And as well as that, patients themselves had a very understandable level of fear about coming to hospital. And I suspected many patients that normally would, you know, take note of a symptom like perhaps a bit of blood on the toilet paper or a lump someplace or pain or a cough uh, might have been somewhat delayed coming in for that because of the fear of coming into a health system that was creaking a bit, uh, certainly in that first year uh, under the rigors uh, of uh, of COVID and the real risk of, of getting sick from being in hospital. There were many, many people contacted COVID in hospitals that year. So, I mean, is this, and it kind of seems tried to almost say it, but I mean, is what we take from all this simply lessons about how to manage something like this again in the future? That There's there's no way to, to go back and reverse any of this damage. Uh, I mean, I think the decision in 2020 to substantially uh, reallocate resources and uh, to give a lower priority to some activities was entirely justified. I mean, we mm. we can't know how many cancer patients would have died if we continue doing business as usual and people came into hospitals that at the time were, you know, full of sick patients, unvaccinated patients, sick staff members, people we didn't even understand what the incubation period at the time of the virus was, not knowing how infective people were. All of these things were great unknowns. I think we would have lost far, far more patients if we had not taken the measures we took okay. at the time, I think far more cancer patients would have been very ill. I mean, we also made decisions with respect to 
treatments that we gave patients, you know, in situations where treatment A is slightly better than treatment B, but treatment A is much riskier in terms of, we'll say, suppressing your immune system, in a situation where there's an additional risk imposed because of the, the pandemic, we were making the decision sometimes to go with treatments that were slightly less effective, but we felt were safer in the context in which we were practicing medicine and oncology in 2020. We also had other little things that other countries didn't have to deal with. We had an abnormally small number of intensive care unit beds, which intensive care unit beds were the very sickest COVID patients needed to go to mm. ICU. We had a very small number of ICU beds per head of population, the lowest of the developed countries, which is a scandal all of itself. Um, and the heroic efforts of our doctors, nurses, ICU staff, etc., support staff, kept the show on the road to, together with the you know societal lockdowns, which limited the pressure on those few ICU beds. But um, uh, you know there were treatments that I was very nervous about giving patients during the pandemic because these were treatments which you know ran an appreciable risk that you would need an intensive care unit bed. And if I said, well, if I take responsibility for giving that treatment and there is no ICU bed, am I doing that patient a favor? So you're right, compromises were made all over the place, you know, with the best intention. And I think in the end, it, I'm sure there have been sadly individual patients whose cancer was, you know, diagnosed in a more yeah. delayed fashion. I hope not too many. Um, but I'm sure there were many other patients whose lives were saved because they didn't come in so, and attend for, you know. Yeah. So, so the temptation from some to kind of, I guess... To, to look at this and say, well, we got the balance wrong. A, it's kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, uh, and B, it's actually impossible to say that because, as you quite eloquently put it, that there was a huge cost to 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 making other decisions. And that cost might have far outweighed this cost. Oh, I... I, I I mean, I, I don't think the case has been made at all that that it was a mistake to take, you know, COVID as seriously as it was taken mm. to do the lockdowns that were made. And, and again, you, you do have to understand, Kieran, and, and that there are, and I, I, I have to be careful how I say this, but there are some interventions which we do in medicine, which, while they're important at a societal level, <clears throat> have a very small individual risk reduction for an individual patient. And some kinds of screening fall into that category. There are some kinds of screening which, if we do them, the number of patients in society who will get a bad outcome with cancer might go down by 5 or 10 or 15%. And that, that's very important. But if you actually work out what is the risk to one particular patient from not attending for the screening test now as opposed to attending for it in six or eight months' time, in many cases that risk is relatively small. And in normal circumstances, you would not subject the person to that risk. But if the cost of not having that risk is the risk that you will come into hospital during a pandemic, when at the time figures of mortality figures, if you know, 3 and 4% were being quoted for the risk of dying if you got COVID, um, you understand that sometimes it was the correct thing to do to slow down some of those uh, somewhat more marginally beneficial interventions. Michael McNamara is with us as well, is the former chair of the Oireachtas COVID Committee, independent TD for Clare. Michael, um, I, I know this is something that you talked about during COVID, uh, before this uh, Oireachtas uh, Committee. I mean, much like John then, I take it, you're not entirely surprised by these figures today. 
I, I'm not. I mean, as John said, we were sort of slower resuming um, certain types of um, medical procedures and screening that, that than other countries. But he also pointed out, you know, that we were considerably under-equipped in terms of uh, hospital beds generally, but in particular ICU beds per head of population and medical personnel. I mean, I, I think we need to ask ourselves how well we would be equipped if there was another pandemic or um, if the medical uh, system was put under severe pressure again. Um, and you know we still have a lot of catching up to do to, to reach that we didn't ever quite reach the 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 goals that were set at the time of the pandemic, and those goals were considerably um, a, a lower number of ICU beds uh, per head of population than many other European countries that that fared better. Of course, Italy did have more ICU beds, but also a, an older population, and there was a a big divergence in what happened across Italy between. Uh, the Lombardy region where uh, the public health response was to bring initially to bring people into the hospitals to treat them and the Veneto region which is very similar geographically and in terms of age profile in the north of Italy where it was to to send people out um, but um, you know I'm not convinced that we've learned some of the necessary lessons in terms of equipping our 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 healthcare system to deal with I mean you can never adequately deal with the pandemic but at least to be as well equipped as possible but I suppose the other thing is the levels of fear and I mean fear is such a, a a negative um, emotion that almost paralyzes a, an, an adequate response, and be that to to COVID or terrorism or any other threat that society faces. And I think you know one has to constantly a government and a system has to constantly check itself to make sure that it's not uh, responding to fear, that it's actually responding to um, to the threat that's posed. And I suppose in a way the fear seems to be amplified in an age of an increased media presence, increased social media. I, I think that kind of amplified the fear at a societal level and of course that fed into the political system and perhaps decision making within the um, the uh, mm. political and health systems. Michael McNamara, former chair of the Adoroctus COVID Committee. John Crown, professor and consultant, medical oncologist at St. Vincent's Hospital Group. Thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.